With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Thoughts you knew, but you have no idea. It's the urban sports scene. You are listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, Ray Jeezy, part of Empire Media. Hey, Will T, Ray, real quick question. Okay. Yes, okay, you listen to me. All right, we're not gonna really talk about it, but it's it's amazing, right? That now, you know, Bryce Harper is back in DC and it's not a store anymore. Huh. Like, do you think he like regrets leaving the area? Uh no. I think ultimately he got what he really wanted. No World Series? Didn't he want to be a champion? Uh I mean I'm sure he wanted to be a champion and he, you know, and he signed a contract that was at the time for 13 years. So he, in his mind, he pretty much imagines that he will be a champion mm-hmm. that'll come true some someday, but he got the contract. He got the bag. That's true. That's facts. But still though, you not know, news because of him. It's not news though, right? It's, it's amazing. It used to be news all it's day. Not now. News. It's not news because of him. Oh, because, because of, him? of him, brother. He, yeah, he failed to live up to expectations mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. The Washington Nationals won. Uh, World Series title mm-hmm. and Fernando Tatis is probably the biggest star in baseball. He's not even close at this point. Oh, true, true. Hey, uh, like I mentioned, we're part of Empire Media. So, Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kahn Report, hosted by ESPN Washington football team insider John Kahn and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. Uh, you, can, you can subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. To in iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts, just search the urban sports scene. Also, this show can be found on D, I mean, on Podcast DC, the new local app with hundreds of options in local news, health, and of course, of the, uh, of the DMV region. Um, download the Podcast DC app to hear all Empire shows as well as other uh, great content. Uh, don't forget also to uh, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. We'll talk with Howard University's head golf golf coach, Sam Perrier, Perrier. Um, at 825, we'll, uh, we'll talk about what Russell Westbrook breaking Oscar Robinson's triple double record at 838. We'll talk yeah. about <laughs> J. Cole <laughs> playing in the African League. Also, finally, we'll talk about Canelo Alvarez, TKO and Billy Joe Saunders, um, Saturday night, uh, for the super welterweight. Uh, championship unifying the belts uh but first ray jeezy yes sir 
Let's get it started. Our guest for tonight is a native of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and a fellow HBCU alum by way of Tennessee State University. Our guest's amazing resume dates back to his days as a collegiate golfer at the aforementioned Tennessee State, where he played under the guidance of Dr. Katana Stark, who made the history of becoming the first woman to coach a men's Division I golf team. Our guest will go on to be named team captain and graduated with honors in 1992, which was set in motion an inspirational journey in the world of golf and beyond. Our guest worked as the director of the East Lake Junior Golf Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, where it was said that he, quote, used the game to help underprivileged children gain courage, confidence, and courtesy. This was in large part the inspiration for our guest authoring a book entitled Diamonds in the Rough, The Shiny Success Story of Inspiration, Faith, and Hope in East Lake. Our guest will go on to achieve many accolades during a decade-plus coaching career that includes becoming the first African-American head coach at a Power Five Conference University after being selected to lead the, pro the golf program at Michigan State in 2008. He's also amassed multiple Coach of the Year honors and helped lead Stanford University to a national championship in 2007. More than 10 of our guests' former players have played in the PGA Tour and PGA Tour events, which includes one player participating in the Masters. In addition to his countless accomplishments, our guest is more importantly a father and a grandfather. He is currently tasked with the honor of leading the Howard University as director of golf. Welcome to the urban sports team, Mr. Sam Furrier. Pleasure to have you, Coach. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being Coach on, Coach Yep, we, we appreciate you coming on with us uh, tonight, Coach Perrier. This is Will. I have yeah, one question to start us off. You yes, achieved... You've achieved a lot in golf, and golf has allowed you to, you know, travel the country and make history as the first um, African-American coach of a Power Five uh, um, collegiate, collegiate school. What does the game of golf mean to you, and, what is, and kind of what's your relationship with it? Golf is actually my ministry. I mean, we, we, we talk about doing certain things, changing lives, affecting lives. Uh, trying to provide, you know, certain inspiration to young folks. But for me, golf has been my ministry. It's given me uh, a tool where I've been able to reach into every different type of neighborhood from rich, poor, uh, you name it. It makes me almost feel like a, a Robin Hood in some respects. You know, you want to you wanna take what's out there and provide to those who don't have. Uh, but And sometimes that's not just financial. That's just also opportunity and expertise. So golf, golf in a lot of senses, for me, golf is life in some respects. Mm. So, so, okay. uh, what? Sorry. No, go, go ahead, Wale. No, I had, ahead, I had a question because, you know, um, just not familiar with the process. So how is, you know, recruiting, the recruiting process, you know, within, you know, golf and does obviously like Ray, like you were working with, Howard's working with Steph Curry. How does that help in terms of the recruiting process as well? Well, you know, the interesting part about it is the recruiting process never stops, number one. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when you're going after when you're going after players, I mean, the Stephen Curry name piece uh, doesn't really play a part, mm. on, to be honest with you, on the front end because players know where they want to go as, as it relates to they're looking for certain climates or they're looking for certain situational uh, setups at universities. Uh but then the other pieces from winning to the support we get from Stephen Curry as it relates to uh, making sure we have a lot of the things we need, 
then that's where the recruiting piece benefits from his relationship. Uh, because a lot of times at HBCU, you're already fighting a different battle anyway. Mm-hmm. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't, don't even respect them, especially when it comes to God. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting that battle. So the, 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 to offset that, you know, my resume helps. Stephen Curry, one of the best, you know, athletes on the planet. Uh, what he's produced really, really helps. And then his, his brand alone really, really helps. Mm. So there are a lot mm. of different, there are a lot of different mitigating factors as to how the whole recruiting piece takes shape. Uh, it's not just one thing. I think it's a bevy of things that they all play a, a part in making it, you know, making a dream come true. Coach, uh, so this this is the first year of um, Howard's um, golf program after a long hiatus. Can you talk to us kind of what what's been the process of getting the golf program restarted? And do you feel any pressure, you know, kind of, you know, taking, you know, getting the program restarted? Uh, great question. First, I answer that question backwards. Do I feel okay. any pressure? Do I do I feel any pressure? No, uh, because the way the way I'm built is if I if I play to my strengths, the things that I, I know how to do and I know how to do well, and I've had success doing them, then the success will come. We proved that this semester. We've been together. We uh, we were together ten weeks, uh, and we we focused on what we could focus on. We played to our strengths and our weaknesses, and had a lot of a lot of quick success. Uh, building a team, a lot of times I I, I say a lot. It's like building Legos, but it's also like building a sandwich. It's like, you know, you can eat a sandwich with no bread, but there's no substance to it. Mm-hmm. So, so you have to take your time. You're literally coming, coming to Howard 10 weeks ago, you had to literally put everything in place from finding places to practice, uh, coming up with workout plans, convincing your players that, hey, although everything is not together right now, it will be. Just keep trusting the process. And luckily, they trusted me to trust the process, and I had to trust them to also be diligent to help the process. Uh, so, yeah, put it's, it's not an easy task. And, and I think what really helps me is I've done this for so many years at different universities that it's easy for me to know what the program was lacking or what it needed in order to bring some things to fruition and help try to create that village to support it. You you spoke of some of the I'm not going to say struggles, but some of the things that you said were hard um, getting the kind of getting the program started. And, and because you have prior knowledge, um, it it may not have seemed as hard to you as someone who's a, a total novice coming in. Um, what has been probably with COVID? What's been the the biggest difficulty of kind of help for you um, from a strategic standpoint to continue to grow this uh, program? I think one of the toughest challenges up front was to let people realize that we needed to support financially. You know, a lot of mm. people, they saw Stephen Curry's gift and they were thinking, well, he just provided all the money for the program and that takes care of all of your needs. Mm. But that isn't true. That's not how that works. So mm-hmm. the simple things like just creating the simple things, uh, convincing people that, Number one, it is golf. Number two, it is relevant. Number three, uh, golf is, 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 although it's not a revenue generator per se from a ticket sale perspective, 
it is a revenue generator for the university mm-hmm. and bring it in attracting very qualified students, bringing additional resources, bringing uh, some marketing and notoriety. So if you add all that together, golf definitely, uh, it definitely brings some, you know, some food to the table, so to speak. But yeah, I would say that's probably been one of the toughest things as it relates to convincing people. And then once people saw us get started and they saw us, you know, they saw that we had some success, then people were willing to get behind the program. I think a lot of people are just kind of waiting and see, you know, what would this look like? Mm-hmm. You know, it would this be like going down to the boys club with your friends, just playing some pickup golf? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they realized this was serious, then I think people say, hey, let's help these guys out. And then they realized that the guys were, the guys were pretty good. And then at that point, it's like, okay, yeah, we really want to support the effort. So, Coach, it's, it's been a while since 1992, man. I'm not trying to age you, but I'm just being honest. You know, a lot has changed in the world since you played collegiate golf. However, what are, what are the similarities between the golf program back when you were at Tennessee State, which was, as I mentioned in my introduction, a historic program, um, in comparison to where you are now with Howard, what is still the same? I know the game has is, is not changed much, so correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, from the beginning of Tennessee State to now, <laughs> it's not even the same. I mean, at Tennessee State, when I first got there, we absolutely had nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm talking about nothing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we were hitting, I'm not even exaggerating, we were hitting balls some days on the side of a football practice field and the grass was up to our shins in height. We would hit them off of a hill <laughs> that was about a 200-yard drop. So you would hit a ball, you thought you would hit it 150 yards, it would hit the, it would hit the pavement and roll an additional 600 yards. Mm. It, was, it was utterly ridiculous. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. And then after about a year and a half of that, Coach finally put some things in place and they became very nice after that. Mm. And so it w- that was a great lesson for me. I was 17 when I went to school, so that was a great lesson for me because coming here, I realized that from that knowledge, I knew what to put in place. Okay. I, re- I went out and tried to find some additional stakeholders who would invest in our program. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about even time and energy and uh, people I picked their brains. And so I was able to do that on the jump. It didn't take a year and a half. So that really, really helped. I uh, also think right now times are such that one of the biggest differences is uh, for for African-American golf, it's, it's not like, you know, the, the, the gorilla in the room, so to speak. You know, people know mm. that it, it exists now. Back in those days, people were saying, man, why do you want to play golf? <laughs> Nowadays, Folks going out, you know, black folks are going out and getting country club memberships, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. becoming number. So that's another. That's probably another one of the biggest differences. Coach, you mentioned the how um, golf is becoming more prevalent and more popular in African American communities. One of the golf courses that I, actually the first golf course I ever saw was Langston Golf Course and Driving Range um, in D.C. on Benning Road. Uh, there aren't a lot of places like, or there aren't a lot of golf courses in predominantly African-American communities. How is someone that is 
you know, someone that's African-American, young African-American child, if they're interested in getting started in the game, how would they go about it? Because it seems as if golf is a game of means. Oh, good question. I think there are ways, though. You have a lot of youth programs. There are golf clinics, golf camps. Uh, there are a lot of ways you can do it. I mean, I, I still believe I still believe in the old adage of caddying. I don't think caddying is a bad idea. Mm. I think if a young man is really interested and he wants to be around the game and learn something, go to one of the nice clubs in the D.C., D.M.V. area and caddy. You make good money. You meet some really uh, uh, people with some influence. Uh, plus, you might learn something about the game. So there are a lot of ways. You know, you have your youth programs out here, your first tees, your youth programs in Peace County, all these programs mm-hmm. around the area. So you, you can find the program. I think it's just once you find it, how are you willing to advance? Are you willing to put in the necessary time? That's the difference. Mm. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media, EmpireMedia.com. Right now, we're talking with Howard University head and golf, golfing coach Sam Perry Perry, excuse me, on the line. Um, so, coach, I want to go back to my. I want actually want to go back to um, recruiting back because I'm a big fan of recruiting, just recruiting kids in general um, in all sports. But I hear your part. You, you run a, a, a few clinics. Am, am, I, am I correct? Yeah, I run a lot of camps. Yeah, yeah. a lot of camps. Mm-hmm. So, do you? What are some of the? Are uh, you running camps here in the DMV area? Well, I'm actually thinking about doing one right now, June okay. 16th. Okay. Up in PG County, I'm 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 pretty close to having that nailed down. Okay, awesome. Uh, but yeah, but but other than that, I'm doing I'm doing one in Ohio. I'm doing uh, out in Phoenix. I'm doing in uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing them in a lot of different places. Okay, so do you so is so is that a good route to kind of get familiar with some of these kids that you want to bring into like say bring it to Howard or kind of keep your eye on or is there another other processes? Yeah, those those are always great. Those mm-hmm. are always great ways. I give you a perfect example when I coached at Stanford, we had a team full of eight players. Well, four of those players that were were campers as kids, they had come to our campus kids. Mm. So. You'll be surprised. Kids that are serious, they'll come when they're young. You know, at Michigan State, I had a kid come to my camp. He's a young boy, middle school kid. Well, guess what? He graduates. He just graduated from Michigan State this year. He's a number one golfer. Awesome. So, so that happens. I mean, mm-hmm. if your kids are if your kids are interested, and he was actually an African American kid. Wow. So if your kids mm-hmm. are actually interested, uh, going to these camps is not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. All right, Coach, I want to switch it up to discussing one of your players, um, Gregory Odom Jr. There was an article There was an article written about him in the Undefeated on ESPN. Um, he won the PGA Works Collegiate Championship uh, a few weeks ago. What yep. does his win do for you, for your program, um, as you continue to build the – as you kind of continue to bring light – on a, on Howard University's golf program. Well, all his win does for me is it validates it validates what I told him when I recruited him. Mm-hmm. When I recruited him to come here, I told him I said if you said, if you come here and play for me, G, if you come here and play for me, you trust the process. I've had guys that have won played at different levels. I said you will number one, you'll be a winner. Number two, you will get opportunities that you never dreamed of. And number three. 
you will walk away with something that'll change your life. I told him that before he ever got here. And so sure as my name is Sam, uh, he won that tournament. <laughs> I like that. Now, <laughs> that he, he, won, he won that tournament. Now he's gotten some opportunities that are coming his way this summer, uh, which are just unreal. Uh, mm. I mean, and it's, it's just life-changing type stuff. It's stuff that you dream about as a little boy when you're out, when you're out in your driveway and you're holding that club saying, man, if I hit this chip right, I'll make the Masters. Mm. If I hit this shot right, mm. I'll win the U.S. Open. Those are the type of opportunities that he will now have an opportunity to be exposed to. Uh, as a result of even winning, as a result of even winning the uh, PGA Works event, he's going to get a start in a Corn Ferry PGA Tour event. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's amazing. Absolutely and so, amazing. And so for me, it just, the, his win only validated what I told all the guys. And I told him, he was the first guy I recruited. And he and I told him, I, you know, I told him I needed him to come here. And as Stephen likes to say, I needed him to be that North Star for me mm. to serve as that beacon because I figured <laughs> you get you get that one lion in, you can get the rest of the pack True. to follow. True. That's mm. literally how that's literally how I look at it. And so uh, you know, now we didn't win the PJ Works. I mean we had, we had a shot, we played great. Uh we played mm-hmm. we played we outkicked our coverage in my opinion. We played mm-hmm. over our ability for the other guys. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Those guys are right now already working hard for next year. And that's what it takes. You know, but Greg is a special player. I mean, I'll be honest with you, his golf IQ is one of the highest I've ever been around oh, at wow. any university. Mm. Wow. And that's what, to me, that's the most incredible thing. His golf IQ is through the roof. And so what we have to continue to teach young black kids around the United States we have to keep putting things in front of them that are going to educate these kids. You know, not just equipment, not just golf experience, playing at great events, understanding all the different nuances and that go with the games that are going to help you be special. So, Coach, we've really been emphasizing the importance of valuing our HBCUs, which I feel as though, in terms of athletics at least right now, is growing in prominence. You see the ESPN specials on football, you, you see the, the coverage of Deion Sanders at Jackson State and NBA All-Stars um, tribute. Um, but in my eyes, and this is just me, I want for all people to see the value in HBCUs. So what's your vision moving forward? Like, even if you had a team that had blacks, Asians, uh, whites, I think that's cool because I think the HBCUs, in terms of education, are great as well. What is your vision of how to just continue to transform the Howard University Golf Program? Well, that's actually what I, I mean. You just you basically just took my answer because mm. I, I, actually, <laughs> I, actually, I actually believe I actually believe in what you just said. I think there should be a, mm-hmm. a, a, an incredible level of diversity mm-hmm. on the Howard team. I want a lot of black players, but I also mm-hmm. want some diversity. I mm-hmm. want if it's a couple Asian players or a couple South Africans or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want players from all over the world. I want black kids too, but mm-hmm. I definitely would love to have players from all over the world. And I think that the HBCU plays even more important now than ever before, a, a really important wor- uh, role in the lives of our young youth. Mm-hmm. I really, I think it plays a huge role, not just, at, not just athletically, but also academically. Coach, I know that we're coming up on time. I have one question for you, one question left for you. 
Who is the most famous person you played golf with, and how much money did you take from him? Uh, (laughs) The most famous famous person I've ever played golf with? Well, I'll put it this way. On paper, it was, I mean, the most famous. It depends on how you define famous, but, I mean, I would have to say, I mean, if it would have to be somebody like Secretary of State, the Condoleezza Rice, maybe. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, wow. That would be one. That would be a great one. Uh, <laughs> but in, in my eyes, I would say uh, one of the most famous people in my mind that I've ever played golf with was my dad. Oh, man. Oh, my wow. Dad, my dad was the best golfer I knew. My dad was the best golfer I knew. Mm. He could play mm-hmm. out. I mean, I've seen him shoot 64, 65. He could play. So that that being the case for me, uh, is it's based on how we, de- you know, how we define famous. Yeah. But I on, mm. on, paper, on paper we're talking about TV and all that kind of stuff. I play with a bunch of people that's in movies and TVs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would say my my answer would have to be uh, my dad. Wow. That would have to be my answer. That's, yeah, great answer. Good, real good answer. You should you know. You know who should play though. You should play Will at Top Golf. Will is a great golfer, for what I hear. Hey, hey, Coach. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Is there anything you would like to add before we let you go? No, I appreciate. It. Thanks for having us. I think I want people in the DMV area to understand. I mean, we're looking for the best, best and brightest. We're looking for the top talent. Uh, if they want their students, if they want their young people to be successful, if they want them to have a chance of doing some special things, uh, I'm telling you, if, they, if they're really interested in that, I mean, they, they need to call me at Howard. I mean, they need mm. to call. I mean, because we're going to help. We're going to help. Uh, we're going to help make that thing come true. Right now, we're doing some good things. I, I don't. We, we could not have done any of it without Stephen Curry and his support. None of them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, one thing I really love about him is that he. He, he's encouraging. He's pushing. He's like, hey, coach, you know, keep it going. And, and, and we we're able to talk through different things. And he encourages the kids on the team. Uh, and I just think it's turned into a family. I mean, I consider uh, Stefan and what he's done with his team to be a part of our Howard family. And I look like we're all a family right now. Mm. Uh, I feel kind of weird answering that last question, talking about Condoleezza Rice, because I don't want to leave anybody. I mean, there's so many famous people I've played with. I mean, that's, so that's kind of, that's kind of different. I mean, mm. you know, from, from the Chris Tuckers to the Stephen Curry's to play golf with all those folks. So, I mean, it just, it just, it just really depends. But my favorite, in my favorite foursome, if it had to go down to history, in my favorite foursome, I would okay. love to have a two and my dad would be in that foursome. Mm. Yep. Awesome stuff. You know they thought you was going to say Tiger, though, because you got the Stanford connection. That's what they were looking for. That, 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 uh, that was <laughs> <laughs> I did kind of think that. Okay. I thought he was going to say it. I thought so, too. <laughs> that's why, that's, that, as, I mean, long that's as, why as long as it wasn't Harvey. Yeah, I asked him well, the question. Well, I wasn't well, trying to if, lead him. If, if that's the case, I'll tell you one of the coolest garbage friends that I've had, if that's the case, was okay. I had a chance to go heads up and hit some shots head-to-head against Tom Watson. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. That was okay. one of my. I would say that I, was probably that was fine. That was fine. I mean, right. that was that was a ton of fun, and I did it in front of five hundred kids, mm. and uh, we we went shot for shot. So for me, that was. But I've had a lot of fun times like that. I mean, I had Jack Nicholas give my son a golf lesson. I don't know what's better than that. Mm. So I've been blessed. Wow. wow. I've been I've been that's really dope, blessed. Man. Absolutely, man. I've been blessed.
We'll let it have you back on. We we, we we see the success coming. It's already started. And we'll share. Well, the- I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the support. Let me know. I always I, I love to be you know love to be back on the show. Oh, de- I'm already a fan of the show, so definitely. Oh, most definitely. And yes, we're sir. gonna share. We're gonna share any content you have on social media. We're gonna share. We're gonna try to spread the word. I yeah, appreciate and- it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so Thanks, much. Guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That was awesome. That was dope, man. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Again, we got I get credit to people who who, who made things happen. Ray G gets the credit for that. Always, man. Hey. Absolutely. You know it. Hey, Russ is officially the triple double king. We'll talk about this after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. You dig doses. What it do? I'm your homie Wole with the Urban Sports Scene, part of Empire Media. And I'm here to tell you about Monkey Knife Fight. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing sports gaming platform in North America, while being the third largest daily fantasy sports platform. It's easy to play. Users don't have to spend all day analyzing salary caps and lineups like other daily fantasy sports sites. It also offers all the major sports plus UFC, golf, esports, soccer, college basketball, NASCAR, and much more. Plus, users won't compete against thousands of professionals with algorithms like other daily fantasy sports sites. That crap could be annoying. Monkey Knife Fight has various jackpot contests such as Home Run Derby, which is the MLB $5,000 jackpot on Fridays, and Eagle Eye, which is the PGA $2,500 jackpot on Thursdays. Sign up now and get your chance to win the bag. Go to www.monkeyknifefight.com. Again, that is www.monkeyknifefight.com and don't forget to sign up using the code urban again that's urban that's u-r-b-a-n urban hey help me make you great you are listening to the urban sports scene with myself wole will t and Ray Jeezy, part of Ampire Media, AmpireMedia.com. Last night, as the world is already aware of, <laughs> in, a, in a very close loss to the Atlanta Hawks. By the way, fellas, my blood pressure has not been right because of the Wizards. They're, every game is coming down to the wire, last possession. It is it, it's so exciting to watch. And I'm a fan. That's why I guess it's different for me. Y'all like whatever. But nonetheless, yeah. Oh, Russ, man. of course, Russell Westbrook recorded his 182nd triple-double, passing the big O to become the all-time triple-double doubles leader, which, by the way, people saying Luka might break it, so it may not, it may nah, not stand forever. It, but how special, how special is this accomplishment considering the way the game is played in today's NBA? Um, I mean, if you take what? No, Will, go. No, go ahead, Will. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I need to follow that. The, the order. No, bro. <laughs> Shut up, dude. <laughs> I think first off, every triple double. I'm a firm believer that every triple double um, is, is a triple double is hard to get, regardless of what area you play in. Um, so, as a point guard, a guy who rebounds the basketball, uh, who can score the basketball and, and can dish it off, I think you know it should be respected and it should be looked at as a special record. I mean, every era is a little different in terms of how you play basketball and what's easier, what not. And I don't want to diminish anything. So what I will say that getting a triple double is just tough, man. Um, it's a thing that, you know, I don't believe in 
the whole uh, stats chasing or stat padding in terms of getting like rebounds. I feel like that's a effort play. So I don't care if people want to say, well, like for instance, when he was in OKC, Stephen Adams used to allow him to get rebounds. No, that's effort. Like it's an effort play. So I never, I don't believe in that. So I think him getting that many rebounds and being a point guard who can rebound like that is impressive. So to me, respect the Russ. Um, it was a great record to achieve, a great record to to break, and no one thought that that record could ever be broken. I mean, we, people we, people talked about this years ago and said this record was unbreakable, and he broke it. So, kudos to uh, Russ. All right, I'll go. This is so. I think with the way that the game has evolved and is played now, with a lot of three-point shots taken, mm-hmm. it it creates the opportunity for long rebounds, which is why some will say, you know, a guy who played the point guard position was able to average a triple double for, um, I think, what is it, three of the last four seasons. Mm-hmm. Having said that, um. The amount of disrespect or the lack of celebration for this accomplishment is mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. In sports, it, no, I'm just going to be honest. In sports, to obtain a triple-double is isn't easy because if it was easy, um, the record it wouldn't have been 50 plus years yeah. before someone broke this record. And to have a guy like Russell Westbrook. Um, accomplished this last night in Atlanta against the Hawks and for the game to kind of keep going without them taking a yeah. moment to acknowledge this kind of unicorn milestone for an NBA player is crazy to me. Now, I don't know if it's because of it. it was Russell Westbrook. I don't know if it be- was because it was a Monday night game between the Hawks and the Wizards, but it's crazy to me the lack of coverage that this is getting. Right. Mm-hmm. This is one of those this is one of those records that no one thought would be broken for a very long time. But Russell Westbrook, the way he plays the game, um, the level of effort that he puts out there every night. Now, it may not always translate to his team winning games or winning championships, but for him to not for this for this record to not for him breaking this record and not to be celebrated to me is crazy. And disrespect. I, I think it's been celebrated. It's just we'll See, think about this, Will and Wale. Uh, if we're in a, a time where the arena is crowded, yeah. and let's say we're in Washington instead of Atlanta, I think that that happens. Will yeah. I remember early this year when when John Wall came back to Washington, there was a tribute played, and there was nobody at the arena, yeah. um, and, and it seemed as though nobody paid attention. We were like, you know what? This wasn't the right time to do this. Yeah. And I feel like Russ will still be celebrated. I just feel like right now nothing's the same. Um, although I get where you're coming from, but yeah. in part though you might be right because there are times where a guy's reputation unfortunately hurts them, yeah. and Russ is the victim of that. Because right now we should just be celebrating a man's accomplishments, but instead we're also having questions about his jump shot, about his attitude, yeah. about you know why he hasn't won a championship, mm-hmm. about did he run KD out of Oklahoma City? It's been so many questions aside from just celebrating the accomplishments. So we'll see. Although maybe I agree with the the way it was celebrated, I agree with the fact that it's been diminished a bit because it's rough. Yeah, but I would say this, though, to to Will T's point, this is one thing I think that Mm -hmm. even though, again, like it's it's different times. So I agree to a certain point, to a certain extent. But I will say this, like once he broke that record, game should have stopped. And they they still had people in the mm. in, in attendance. Like you still had people there. 
So let people appreciate it. With the <laughs> it may have been thousands of people, but still give them the opportunity to cheer this man for breaking that record. It is a record that we talk. Like if you look at baseball, we talk about the home run record. It is it is a record almost as high as that. This is a record that no one thought that would be thought would be broken. It's not. It's like mm -hmm. scoring. Like we all like Mar. We all look at the, who could be the person to score 100. But it's the record. But no one thinks someone can actually do it. When Kobe got 81, folks was like, oh snap. He got 81. This is a record that no one ever thought would be broken. And when we look at when you look at it that way, you I think you have to stop and give that man acknowledgement just for that one second. Like I don't care. I know we're in a different time where you can't pack an arena, but at least you with the people that are were watching the game, stop the game and just let them cheer this man on. Like so, cause, because if LeBron, let's be real, if LeBron breaks the record, break, was break was broke the scoring record. Right. Even in, with a thousand people in attendance, you don't think they're stopping the game. You don't think they're stopping to cheer LeBron. Hell yeah. they are. That's what I'm saying. Like this isn't a, this record is historic. Like this is my it is a historic record. Like I remember thinking to myself watching Jason Kidd and, and even watching watching Magic, watching Grant Hill. These are dudes were getting triple doubles. And I was like, yo, like triple doubles are hard and, and they weren't even close. This dude got one hundred and eighty two triple doubles. It, yeah, man. Regardless of what era, like this dude should have been cheered third. Like he should have been. You should have stopped play and gave this man the attention. Truth be told, you should have put the game on TNT and made a special event or ESPN just because it was the game that you knew he could get a triple double. It should have been exactly. all eyes and on him. I, and that's what I mean, right? When the look, when the Warriors won uh, seventy three games, right? Yeah, they made sure that that game was on ESPN. <laughs> They made sure that, the, um, you know, that they would break in, you know, even on other, um, yeah. you know, um, other networks, news channels. Mm -hmm. They would they would flash like they would flash the score. They would, you know, they would break into the game at times to show you pieces and snippets of the game. I mean, shoot, even Kobe's last game when he scored <laughs> six, they did they did the same thing. Um now, I don't know for a fact, but I didn't see, like, ESPN, you know, they have, like, a um, a breaking news on their website mm -hmm. showing that Russell Westbrook they did. Um, got they his did 180. That. They did. They, they did. did. They did that. Will T, I, I, don't, I don't think that we could have seen a special, like, following the chase because the Wizards record is what it is. But no, see, no, I get that. I'm not calling for all of that, but. But at least at the bare minimum, that's yeah. a historic oh, moment. That, yeah, it's a historic moment. You should have oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. paused the game, taken that basketball. They should have stopped play. Yeah, this is put that basketball to the side, and they could have either given him the option of having that basketball, or they should have sent that basketball to the Naismith Hall of Fame. Just saying. Yeah, it's not a regular. It's just not a regular milestone. You treated it like a regular milestone. That's the. I guess that was my issue. Like you treated it like. This this that that record should be appreciated thoroughly. Like, no, yeah, no one gets triple doubles that easy. Real talk, like it's not that think, easy. One hundred eighty-two times, man. Like, come on, like, like regardless. Of of, the go, great, ahead, go ahead, Will. Sorry. Think of all the great players in the history of basketball, right? Some of the players that we think are, um, and I know we're out of town, so let me wrap this up. Yeah. But just just let, one last point. Think mm -hmm. of all the great historic players who played this game. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, um, Michael Jordan, Wilt, Dr. J, LeBron, uh, 
you know, all-time legends, and they weren't able to accomplish what Russell Westbrook accomplished. That's all I'm saying. It just needs to – I just thought it should have been um, far more celebrated than it was. Yeah, that's man. All. Like, basically, basically, we use this term, just give Russ his flowers, man. Like, just all – Appropriately, dude. Give it's him gonna, flowers. It's gonna come down. It's gonna come down to him and CP3 as a debate for who's the best point guard of this modern day era. Watch what I tell you. Uh, I still think it's CP3, but that's a whole different argument, though. But uh, all right. Hey, Joe J. Cole is hooping in the inaugural season of the bas the, the basketball African League. Uh, we'll talk about this after the break and listening to the Urban Sports Saint for ages. You dig deuces. Light skin, brother. Oh, I, oh, oh, I, nah, la, 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 la. I keep my head high. Mm. I got my wings carrying me. I don't know freedom. I want my dreams to rescue me. I keep my faith strong. I ask the Lord to follow me. I've been unfaithful. I don't know why you call on me. This is my canvas. I'ma paint it how I want it, baby. Oh, I. This is my canvas. I'ma paint it, paint it, paint it how I want it. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T. Ray Jeezy and myself, Wole, part of Ampire Media. And again, that's AmpireMedia.com. All right. So J. Cole is expected to play for the Rwanda Patriots. <laughs> that's a funny name. Uh, in the inaugural season of the Basketball African League. Actually, they're playing against Nigeria, too. And it's for, he's playing against Nigeria in his first game. Thoughts? Um, his album comes out Friday. I'll give you my thoughts then. The album fire. Go ahead, go go ahead and go play ball. If the album isn't fire, I'm gonna say you need to stick to your day job. Go back into the lab. Look, man, what kind of like, hey, hey, what kind of attention could this bring for like, you know, the league or you know, yeah, the league, the African league, the African league. Having J Cole there. I mean, go ahead, Ray. I thought you were going, brother. Nah, brother, it's on you. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I'm not sure if mm-hmm. this necessarily helps. See, while he's a good basketball player, like many don't know, he had the chance to play college ball, but he chose, yeah. obviously, to pursue his music career. Mm-hmm. It was worked out for him. And he's one of many uh, rappers slash hip-hop artists who have a background in athletics. I mean, Cameron comes to mind, who is one who also used to hoop uh, mm-hmm. the game, who, in the Drew League, he kind of sucks. But I don't know <laughs> if we see... I don't know if we've seen enough of J. Cole lately to really get excited about it. Uh, I think in Africa, it's probably a big deal, oh, man. man. And that's the most important thing is you want to get the attention of the people exactly. that you're going to be, you know, entertaining and performing for and that you want and the audience that you're looking to see. So in terms of it being a big deal there, I think it's great, but I don't think it will translate to the States right away. Hmm. Will, will, you want to say something? Because you and Ray were kind of battling for no, times. I, no, we, we can't necessarily battle. Um, <laughs> we talking about Jay Crow. I mean, Cole, we gotta I, talk about put battle. Your, put your put your feet in. Put your feet in, Will. <laughs> no, it's um, I, I think it it'll bring some, you know, uh, 
it'll, it'll bring some awareness mm-hmm. spotlight to that league. Um, but ultimately, um, if J. Cole goes down there and he sucks, I mean, you know, no one's going to care. But if the album is fire, <laughs> a classic album, and then he goes down there and he drops 30 per game, it's over. Man, 2021 J- to be the year, J. Cole. <laughs> J. Cole's been hooping, man. He's been working out with, uh, I forgot the dude on Instagram. He'd be working out all the NBA players. And dude be, J. Cole's, his, uh, IG videos look like dude be going and he's always hooped pretty well respectively I mean respectively well in these all-star events um so he can hoop and like Ray mentioned he could have went he could have played ball as a walk-on at St. John's but like Ray said he decided to go the music route and it was you know the best decision um he's, he it was the, the best decision for him obviously so but I think it would bring a lot of attention it's good that it would bring attention to Africa um bringing it bring attention to the league the NBA is already the NBA itself has done so much in terms of helping um, bring, you know, fostering a good environment in terms of playing basketball in Africa and most of the African countries. So I think it's just you know, something to piggyback on, you know what I'm saying? So just to bring more awareness to trying, you know, playing basketball, making that an option for some of these countries. Um, and, and, you know, Messiah Jerry, we know that in Toronto, he's pretty much big on it and bringing, you know, um, trying to, you know, bring over African talent over here to the United States. So I just think that, you know, having a, Regardless of his um, actual profession, about a guy who is skilled in playing playing ball and who is popular because of his music, you know, maybe will influence some, you know, some kid uh, who is looking for a different route to maybe, you know, help his family or her her family um, to make money playing basketball and maybe transferring over here to uh, try to fulfill the dream. Dollar <laughs> the dream. What's about? <laughs> I mean, obviously, we don't have anything else. <laughs> I know that's right. Yeah, obviously, we yeah. don't have anything else to say during the second. I know, right? <laughs> so, having hey, said that, no, what's the what's the album? Though? I want to know about this J Cole album because I don't really listen to J Cole that much. You know what I'm saying? The album supposed to be oh, like, J Cole. I mean, his, his, his albums in the past have been great. Mm. Yeah, it's been amazing. That's why I'm looking forward to a Friday. Friday. Uh, are you getting midnight, it the right way? Or midnight are you, Friday. Are you getting the right way? Hmm? You getting it the right way? Of course, Wole. I pay <laughs> for all of my music. What are you talking about? I said the right way. That's all I said is the right way. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, and, what is that? I'm fl- just saying, Wole. Yeah. I pay for all of my music. What so, are you talking? Look, about? man, we're talking African. I know nothing. Look, we're talking about African and corruption oh, and man. music. You know what I'm saying? Like, I look for corrupt. You know, the, the, the whole corrupt circle of everything in life. It's the it's the corrupt circle of life. Having said that, <laughs> Canelo Alvarez, TKO, TKO, Billy Joe Saunders in the eighth round of Unified Super Middleweight Title. We'll talk about this after the break. It's the Urban Sports Scene.
you are listening to the urban sports scene with will t ray jeezy and myself will a part of Amppire media and that's amppiremedia.com Billy Joe Sanders in the set in the eighth winning Sanders WBO title. Canelo is now the WBO, WBA, and WBC champion. What are your thoughts on the fight, Ray? <laughs> I'm glad I'm going first because I just want to say this to you guys. We need a pop-up show, by the way. So when stuff happens like this, we can have live post-fight reaction. You know, it's Tuesday now. And I watched my man Johnny Sig, though. You know, at least we got to support our brother. Shout out to him. His co-host was high as a kite, by the way. You know, kind of like he, I'm not he surprised. Was on that Oscar I am not surprised. But, <laughs> hey, hey, listen, though. But, 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 but I, I'm, I'm mentioning my man Johnny Sig. First of all, thank you for coming on last week. But second of all, they mentioned what everybody else mentioned, which was the most important thing, is that the fans made the fight. Like 73,000 people packed mm. Cowboy Stadium to yeah. watch this fight. That was amazing. We're getting back to a place where fans are now allowed back in sporting events, and I think it's a, I think it's dope. And Canelo Alvarez, clearly the biggest draw in boxing. I don't think there was any doubt in anyone's mind outside of Chris Mannix, whose car was crazy. Oh, my God, what's and wrong with him? Probably t- <laughs> and probably Tyson Fury that Canelo wasn't going to win this fight. Um, Billy Joe Saunders, I, I, I want to say he fought about two good rounds. That was all I saw. Yeah. Um, but we know that Canelo still the biggest draw, pound for pound. He did his thing. I can't wait till we discuss what he should do next. That's what I'm excited about. I mean, I, I would counter that I don't think Canelo is the biggest draw in boxing. Who? Paul Brothers. It's Ryan and Logan Paul. They're the biggest draw. In boxing. <laughs> you a joke. Ryan. Ryan. Ain't nobody named Ryan Paul, man. Oh, man. Jake don't get me started, dude. Logan. Man. Jake. Oh, Jake. Me. Jake. Jake. And don't worry, Will. 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 Exactly. Will. I'm the same Will. way with you, bro. When you said it, I was I was with you because I didn't know who the hell, I don't know who the hell they are for real. Um, exactly. But then, yeah, like to I obviously to me, Canelo was the reason, man. He's just the biggest draw in boxing. We saw what he did um, with you know with Texas Stadium. We saw what Earl did with Mikey Garcia, and just in comparison to what Canelo did with just Billy Joe Saunders. Um, and I'm like you, Ray. I, I probably gave I gave Saunders three rounds. I mean, if that, but it was a lot okay. of kind of ifs but i know i mean i had it five three before he knocked before he like stopped um he did some good things uh but it's just that one when you watch canelo it's just it's just like watching a fight in person i mean watching a fight when some you know people just you know like fighting outside and you see a fight in the street or whatever um one dude just is throwing punches that actually look like it hurts like every punch that canelo threw to saunders it looked like it hurt like the punches that saunders were hitting yeah they were uh, they were they were nice combinations and everything, jabbing and whatnot. But it just looked like everything Canelo threw hurt. Like he went to the body, it hurt when he when he hit him when he hit him up top, it hurt. You know what I mean? So it just he's a violent puncher and it's, he can just walk through punches. I'm always amazed every time I see Canelo and you know some of the hate he gets about oh he's not that good. Who he fought, who did he fight? But you look at his resume, it speaks for itself. Um, it oh, speaks yeah. for itself. The damage he's done, you know, you can argue the triple G, what, you know, what your cards were. I mean, I thought those fights were relatively close. I don't think it was robbed. You can say that he got robbed uh, because it was a close card. If you have a close card, it can go any which way. Um, so mm. looking at Canelo, I just think that, yeah, he's the best in the game right now. Like, I don't think that, you know, and I love Earl. I'm an Earl. Everybody knows I'm an Earl dude. I've stated that I think Earl is probably, you know, 
at the time, I thought Earl was the best. When you look at, you know, resume and what this dude has done, I don't think you can really dispute it. Oh, man. You said a lot that I could unpack, but I'm not going to do that right now. I'm just <laughs> going to say this. Just to add, as far as you talking about Canelo's punching power, what impressed me most is Billy Joe Saunders had all this hoopla made of the ring size, right? Yes. And it was clear that he wanted to use it to run because Canelo was stalking <laughs> him the entire fight, walking him down. And that's what you love about a champion like Canelo when they bring the fight mm-hmm. to the challenger. You know what I'm saying? Versus it being the other way around. Yeah. And he continuously just pressed and pressed. And it shows the level of conditioning that he's in. People try to bring up, you know, performance enhancing drugs. Man, forget about that. Canelo, like I said, right now, Will T, anybody can tell me different. He's the biggest draw. He's pound for pound the best boxer until somebody dethrones him. And hopefully <laughs> it'll be on the PBC <laughs> side. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, man. All right. So who would you – I'm going to ask the question there because I know Ray is biting at the tongue. Who would you want to see Canelo yeah, fight next, man? Tongue. Oh, I'm dog. I need one. You want the fight? You want it? You okay, want this I'm, fight? I'm gonna tell y'all what I said. I'm gonna tell y'all what I said during the break. All right. So, necessarily answer your question. Right. Then again, it is. He should sign a three-fight deal with Al Heyman and PBC. Fight Caleb Plant first, Jamal Charlo second, and David Benavidez third. And I believe he'll come out of that two and one, and we'll see the passing of the guard. Two and one. There you go. The two of one. Who's the, who's the one? Oh, Benavidez. I think Benavidez. Three fights. Remember, that might be what in boxing that that could be a year and a half to three years from now. Well, for him, so we could see. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> for him, we could see David Benavidez be be an even better fighter. Remember, he's only what David Benavidez is he's twenty two or twenty three. He's young. Yeah, I, I think that he's talented enough to dethrone Canelo Alvarez. But I think Canelo Alvarez e- easily beats Caleb Plant. And I think that while Jamal Charlo, I, I love the Charlo brothers. I like Jamal even better. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Canelo beats Jamal as well. I think that that that's a great plan, mm-hmm. um, Ray. But I'll just say I add one. No, I'll just add one caveat to that. I don't cool. think that the Charlo brothers, either one, um, Jamal Charlo, if I'm not mistaken, would want to go up to 168. Mm-hmm. And um, Canelo has already stated that anyone who has who wants to fight him would have to come up to 168 yeah, to he, fight him. Which makes sense. Mm. I mean, which makes sense. He's the biggest they, draw. It makes they've sense. They've been calling him out, though, Will. Oh, they've been calling him oh, out they call for, out for the, years. Everybody calls him. They, all, they always call him out. But he's right, and, though. And look, he's the, he's, <laughs> look, look what happened in, the po- in his post-fight interview. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. Uh, I forgot his name. Who Andre, is that dude? Who? Andre, yeah. <laughs> no, he's, Dimitri? He's, the, he's the champion. Uh, yeah, Dimitri Andrea. Andrea, um, yeah, he's that's the right. champion at 160. He's the champion at 160. Right, he, he's a guy who's under. I believe he's undefeated. Mm-hmm. But excuse me, if you watch his his fights, <laughs> they really aren't that interesting, or there's not a lot of um, you know, action. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very tactical. Um, he doesn't necessarily punch that hard. He's not a, a heavy-handed um, boxer who goes for knockouts. Um, he goes for the win. He goes for the style points in my opinion. Um, and he went and he approached on uh, Canelo's post-fight. Um, Canelo, he was up there, we, you know, as he should, you know, kind of taking his, his victory lap, um, mm-hmm. talking to the media. And then uh, Dimitri Andrea just came in, interrupted the press conference. And for the first time ever, 
I heard Canelo speaking English. <laughs> that wasn't the first time for you. He was going hand nah, speaking English though. English sometimes. But I know Will say that's the first time in deep like <laughs> that he went in. He went in in English. Like he went in in English. I was usually it's like a it's like a one liner. It's like a one it, it, sentence. It, it, it was hilarious <laughs> to, to hear him to hear him talk like that was hilarious. Get the fuck out uh, of here! Oh. Man. oh. <laughs> Hey, listen, Canelo, Canelo he's, he's done some interviews in English. Actually, he showed a tour of his house yeah. and his cars, and he did it all in English. So he's capable, but when he's Kirk and in the U.S., oh, he man. always turns you to see, his English. Man. That's how you know, he's, that's right. how you, know you, you got him. You know he's street. English, but bro, all I can say, when the, his response, you know he's street. Like, that was all that little baby face, redhead, that dude. And that, nah, and it that was thing, hilarious. More than being street, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna tell y'all. He showed that side of him more. Oh, he would sell even more, bro. He would sell even more. <laughs> and I'm not saying he has to be vulgar. Yes. He, I'm not saying he has to be vulgar. Arrogant. I'm just saying he shows that more of that. No, that comedic side. You know, not as serious oh. all the time in some mm. of his post-fight interviews. No, nah. he would have a different. He would have a, a, a more more additional fans to his fan base no nah, I, I thought he was i just like how he carried dude it's just that it was like you you're not even good like and i'm, I'm being and i'm i'm being pg-13 with it he's like you're not even like he went ham he's like you're not even good like why are you in here like you won't even let me ce- celebrate my day like let me celebrate my day you know what i'm saying and then all of a sudden when dude kept talking he was like you're like basically you're a bum why are you here Oh my God, dude was like, it was amazing, man. It was. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I thought, I was like, Canelo, you are going in, like for real. But to, to but hey, I, breaking news, guy, breaking news. What's up? Um, Triller just announced that. Oh God. Bradley Bill will be fighting Kent Bazemore in September. Oh, that's another thing. That's another one too. Can I, can, can I talk about that real quick before we before we leave the show? Go ahead if you want to. Yeah, I do. I really I'm, do. I'm, I'm done. I really do. Hey. Hey, one, yo, Bradley Bill, like, don't put that, you don't need that kind of energy, bro. Not in Obeysmore. Like, after the first couple, like, alliance, like, you let him know you're here. That's cool. But you drag, he dragged that thing out throughout the whole night on on Twitter, dude. Him and his girl. Like, it's, we're talking about Baysmore. I mean, he's passionate. Baysmore? He's passionate, man. Like, he's we talking about Baysmore, bro. Like, and you know he's going to side with we're this dude. We're talking about Baysmore. Yeah, we're talking about Baysmore. Like, we're not even talking <laughs> about Steph. We're talking about Baysmore coming, <laughs> saying that, something about his hamstring because he's running around. He, he's running so hard to get the scoring record, and Steph's still out here doing his thing. Like, of course he's going to side with Steph. That's his teammate. Like, all right, he maybe shouldn't have used you to compliment Steph. Okay, whatever. But like you don't have to like you and your girl gotta go that hard for like the whole night. Like that's like yo, you you like a don right now in the scoring game in the NBA, and you worried about Baysmore. Like you gotta you should hit him with a one liner to show you that you tough. Jordan ain't talking to uh who name name uh Lidell Eccles. He's not worried about no Lidell Eccles. Lidell Eccles to say whatever. Jordan gonna look at him like all right, man. Who Lidell Eccles? That's it. Nah, LeBradford Smith, you wrong, well, lady. No, no, did he say it, though? No, you're right, LeBradford Smith. You know what? Did he say it, though? He didn't say it that day. Like, I'm talking about it was after the – it was, like, when he retired. I'm talking about he wasn't addressing LeBradford Smith that day on national on national TV, did he? I mean, on anything social or national TV. He wasn't worried about LeBrad. He wasn't putting it out there for people to see. Nah. Let it go, bro. Like, just give me a one-liner. All I need is a one-liner. Like, I'm going to torch this dude when I see him. And we're good. Come on, man. It's Baysmore. We're talking about Baysmore. 
Come on, Brad. He's passionate, man. Look, he's just he's passionate. He, you know, he he wants his respect. The man. This is a man who historically hasn't gotten his respect for what he's done in this league. And to have someone like Kent Bazemore, you know, insult you. I know, I feel you. That's kind of like the ultimate slap and respect if you're Bradley Bill. Like, I'm Bradley Bill. I deserve, I should have been on the all-star team last year. I know, I'm Bradley Bill. I made it this year. I'm in contention for a scoring title. Yeah. I should be all NBA, and a guy like Kent Bazemore is going to go out here and try to defile my name in in the public eye. You're talking about and I feel you. We talking about Ken Bazemore, though. Nobody going to change that. We talking about Bazemore. Y'all not going to make it seem like it's – come on, man. Y'all know, I feel you, Bradley Bill, man. Bazemore came at you. It, it's, it's whatever. With, who did Kobe – the Kobe used to go at Smoosh Parker, but he used to do that joint, like, not in front of everybody. But it's cool, though. Like, I guess nowadays you can just go at anybody. Who cares? So, you know it's Ken Bazemore. But shout out though, man. Bradley Bill, that joint was hilarious though. Him and his, his girls are down. She's a down chick though. Real talk. Like, she be going in. Like, everybody should aspire to have a girl like her because she definitely got her man's back. Respect. Two fingers. All right. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. Tune in, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Check out. The home of the urban sports scene, which is Empire Media at AmpireMedia.com. And this show can be found on Podcast DC. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all the Empire uh, Media shows as well as other great content. We appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure you keep tuning in. Appreciate Culture being on. Uh, it was amazing. Great, great content. Great work. Um, again, make sure y'all follow the Howard Bison Golf Program. Uh, program. Uh, make sure you follow the Howard Bison Sports Athletic uh, team. That's at uh, Bice. I believe it's at. Darn it! What is it, Ray? Ray, do you have it? Yeah, HU Bison, baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> at HU Bison. Thank you. Save my. Save my life, dog. <laughs> HU Bison. I think it's sports, though, right? Isn't it sports? Well, they have multiple handles. That's what right. I'm saying. They got a, they got a, they got a golf handle. Yeah. Just, just check out Twitter. Just page. check out Twitter page. We got y'all, man. Check out Twitter page. We got y'all. All right, man. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene. The ages. You dig? Deuces. Hey, Michael, lead us out, big homie.